I, I grew up in church. My fa- family got in church before I can remember. And uh, I, I used to always hate it when we had a preacher. You know, every church has got preachers in the church. And I used to hate it when the preacher would have one of those guys preach because they never get to preach. And when they get the chance, they drag you. And that's what I, basically what I'm going to do tonight. So just, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, uh, f- craziest thing happened today. Um, it's, it's a long story, I won't tell you. I was having some plumbing issues. Um, and I am up under the sink, and I'm, I'm not horrible, but I'm not a plumber either, you know. So I'm up under the sink in a real awkward position trying to get this sink hooked, unhooked so I can redo some plumbing, and my phone goes off. Well, the only reason I even paid any attention to it is because my daughter's on this mission trip, and, and you know, I, I just, if it, this text, I thought it might have been hers, so I stop, and by the way, I'm already over that mission trip. I hope they're getting a lot done, but I want City to get back home. Uh, <laughs> so I get out from underneath the sink, and I pull out my phone, and I look at it, and it's from Heather. Heather, where are you at? Right, yeah, yeah, it was from you. I said, man, what timing. I can't believe this. I said, well, she sends out these, these texts on a regular basis. If you go to her tablets and hangups and you're on the list, I said, well, I might as well look at it. So I opened it up and it said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. I said, man, I hope that applies to plumbing. <laughs> so it was really a perfect verse at a perfect time. Um, well, maybe not a perfect time, but it was a perfect verse. Um, we're in Romans chapter 4. I was working, uh, working, I was in the car business for years, I was working at a car dealership in Huntsville, and I was the sales manager there, and uh, the dealership had decided they were going to spend some money and invest in this follow-up program, that, and, and, and basically it was a system where you log your customers, then the salesperson would have uh, a base of customers that he followed up on, and it did work plans for him, did all these, these great things, and then management could follow up with them, it was really... Uh, a really good system, but it was going to cost like $40,000 for the dealership, which to me seemed like a lot of money, but I guess, you know, it's not if you can retain customers and what have you. But So I get to looking at the system that we currently had, start digging around in it and looking at it, and I said, that looks an awful lot like that presentation of that other system. So I started looking at that. and So I got on the phone and I called some tech support from the system that we already had in place that we'd already paid for. And I started asking this guy some questions, and he started saying, and I told him we were looking at investing in this system, and he said, you already have those benefits in the system that you have currently. You're just not taking advantage of them. And I look at my own salvation at times, and I think there are times that there are benefits from salvation that I currently have that I don't take advantage of. Uh, and, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. What about you? Do you feel like sometimes there's some advantages, some things? Here's what I relate it to. It would be kind of like being the son of Bill Gates and working as a janitor at the Microsoft headquarters. And that's how we live a lot of our Christian life. That's the way we conduct ourselves too often. We have all of these things available to us. There are great benefits that, we, that have been afforded to us because of our salvation that we miss out on. There's more to salvation than just an escape from hell and a ticket to heaven. 
And too often I think we as Christians and children of the Lord, we miss out on these things that are available to us. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 4. I want to start reading verse 21. Romans chapter 4 verse 21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith and to this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. As a form of background, I want to break this passage down a little bit and just take a look at it. When you look at verses 21 and 22 there in chapter 4, to understand that, you've really got to go back to to verse 3 there in chapter 4, where it says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, first few verses there, is the first place that God approaches Abraham, speaks to him about leaving his homeland, or the Chaldees. Now keep in mind, Abraham didn't have the scripture. The only thing that Abraham had was he could look around and see that some supreme being had created me and this earth, And God spoke to Abraham, and he said, I want you to leave your family and your friends and your wealth and your comfort and everything that you've established here, I want you to uproot that, and I want you to get out. He said, and if you do that, I'm going to increase your family, your land. I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And you know how the story went. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had, and then the children of Israel came from that. Jesus came out of that lineage. And it was a plan that Jesus had into a, had in effect, or that God had in effect. But Abraham had, Abraham had to believe in something that he couldn't see, he couldn't feel, he couldn't prove. And that's what faith is all about. And that's why the Bible says, by faith it was imputed to Abraham for righteousness. Now, as we keep reading these verses, it says... Now, it was written for his sake, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But look at verse 24, it says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Just as Abraham, righteousness was imputed to him because he believed in God's plan in the Old Testament there. If we believe and have faith in the plan that God has for us today, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, then it's imputed to us for righteousness. If we put our trust in the work that Christ did on Calvary, then you go to heaven when you die. If you choose not to do that, then you have to pay your own sin debt and you go to hell. Those are your two options. There's no real in-between there. So, as we look at these verses, we continue on. We look at verse 5. Now, at this point right here, if we stop, I, I, make, I look at this crowd and I, and I figure that 
probably everybody in here, I know this girl right back here is saved. She got saved today on the way home from the grocery store. I figure that everybody in this crowd, more than likely, has come to a point that you realized you needed Jesus. And you put your trust in that work that Christ did on Calvary. And so from this point forward, we're just going to have this Bible study that everybody in here is saved. If you're not saved, you haven't put your, tr put your trust in Christ, just listen to what you're missing out on. Okay? But we're going to go from here forward that we're all Christians, we're all saved. So we look at verse 5, and what does it say? It says, therefore. Now, anytime you see a therefore, it means because of the previous, the following is true. So everything that we said there about Abraham getting saved and it imputed to him for righteousness, we put our trust in the work that Christ did on Calvary for us, it's imputed to us for righteousness. Basically, what Paul's saying here is if you're a Christian and you've been saved, this is true for you, what I'm about to say. He says in the next phrase, it's very important, therefore, being justified by faith, we have. Now, I have this bottle of water right here. I have it in my possession presently. I didn't have, I didn't have it. It's not in the past. I'm not going to get it. I have it right now in my possession. So based upon... Ooh, I, I'm going to let that go. I almost jumped off. I seen a, a rabbit just went, boom! But I'm going to let him go. I'll give you a hint. It had something to do with the English. But we have currently some benefits with our salvation. There's some things in these next few verses that I want to take a look at. There's many benefits, many privileges to being a child of God. But I want to look and focus on three specifically in these next few verses. And before we do that, I know preacher prayed, but I need to pray too for myself. And you pray for me as well. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to stand before people. I, I don't take it lightly. It's very serious to me. I know there are people in this auditorium, without a doubt, who are struggling, having a hard time. And Lord, I pray that you'd touch them this evening and help me to say something that will encourage somebody tonight. Lord, I pray that you would use me in spite of me. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as we carry on here, I want you to look at the next phrase there. It says that, let me go back here. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus. The first thing that I want you to see, the first thing that we have as a benefit to salvation is peace for the past. Now, the thing that causes us to not have peace with God would be our sin, our past, the things that we had. When we were at enmity with God is before we were reconciled back to Him. So that's where I... When I look at it, it seems to me that it would be referring more to our past. So he says we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that more people get derailed and discouraged and knocked off track because of their past and the things that continue to weight them down than anything else. And, and I promise you I can relate to that. I understand that. If you've heard my testimony... I could tell you illustration after illustration right here about myself personally, but you don't want to hear that. You've already heard it. If you haven't, get the video. Uh, <laughs> because my past is in the past, I'd rather leave it there and, and go forward. So let's look at something else. Turn to Mark chapter 5. 
And I want to use another guy. I want to look at another guy in Mark chapter 5. Preacher just preached on this, this topic and this story, so I'm not going to read the whole verses. The verse, first 20 verses there in Mark chapter 5 is the story about the maniac of Gadara. Now, as a form of setup, this guy comes in. Hey, it's not like Sunday, is it? I can hit the brakes a little bit. I got all kind of time. <laughs> preacher said, I don't know how long you're going to preach, but at 8 o'clock, he said, you preach as long as you want to, but at 8 o'clock we're leaving. I said, okay. <laughs> um, the, this, Jesus and the disciples get on a boat, go across the Sea of Galilee, because they basically just want to get away from the crowd. They want to take a little break. Well, when they go across to a place called Decapolis, Decapolis was like a, uh, a providence, or, a, or almost like we have in the United States, a state. And there were 10 cities in there, in this particular state, these weren't Jewish people. They were uh, Gentiles, and, and, and they really didn't know Jesus or anything. It, was, it might as well have been across the world. So they go across the Sea of Galilee, and from a geographical standpoint, you got to understand how it was set up. You had the port, and I don't know how far, maybe four or five miles away was the actual city. So there was a little bit of distance between where they, were, where they got off the boat and before they got to the city of Gadaria. So when they get off the boat, the first thing that they come to as they're walking to this city is what we would have would be a graveyard. But in this era and in this time and in this region of the country, they buried people in these tombs. So they came to these tombs, and there's this guy living in these tombs. You know the story, the maniac, he's crazy, wild Indian, stays up all night, cuts himself. Nobody can do anything with him. They sent him to rehab 12 times, couldn't do anything with this guy. So, so here he is. The maniac, Jesus heals him, casts the demons out into this uh, herd. Herd is the word I'm looking for, a herd of swine. It's starting to call them a flock. It's not a flock, is it? <laughs> Cast these demons out into this herd of swine. They run off a cliff. They get drowned. Now these people in this city are not real crazy about Jesus because he's just affected a large portion of their income. So they've kind of encouraged him to leave. Well, Jesus is leaving and what do you think the maniac wants to do? He's affected his life. He's changed his whole life. He's saved him. He's delivered him from these demons that have been torturing him for years. So, of course, he wants to go with him. So he follows Jesus back to the port. And Jesus says, tells him he can't go with him. He says, I want you to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done. Now, there's one thing about this story. He had to get from that port back to that city. That's right. He had to walk past that graveyard. He had to walk through those tombs. He had to stop and look at those chains. And he had to think about all the things that he had done. Now, probably it wasn't all negative. He was a tough guy. Everybody was scared of him. He had a reputation. Probably had a certain amount of respect. And you know what? That wasn't such a bad life. Everybody was just mad at me because of those hogs that ran off in the water, and I was getting a little bit of flack about that. But you know what? Back when I was living in those tombs, there wouldn't nobody give me any flack back then because they were scared of me. But he had to walk past those tombs and think about his life back there. But guess what he did? He left those things in the past, and he went forward. Read, read verse 20. I didn't even turn over there. I'm not there. Hold on. Mark chapter 5. 
Verse 20 says, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now, he had two choices. He could be defeated by his past, or he could make peace with it and move forward. And I'm telling you tonight, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how bad it's been, how low it's gotten. It doesn't matter if you've been uh, a whoremonger, an idolater, uh, a, a drug dealer, an alcoholic. It doesn't matter how bad things have gotten for you. God's got enough forgiveness to take care of your past. And he can take care of your past. He can forgive you for that. But it's up to you to leave it there. And, and if you continue to drag that thing around with you like an anchor, you're never going to be able to go forward for God. So I'm telling you right now that God has peace for our past. I want to read you this quote. It says, if we embrace our past and publish what great things Jesus has done for us, we can move the focus from our negative to his positive and lift him up. Do you hear that? You see... If you have a negative past and you keep letting that drag you down and you keep letting the devil whisper in your ear about what you can't do and what you cannot accomplish because of your past, you're never going to get past it. But if you move past that and you let God use you and do something with your life, you can take the focus off of that negative and put it on the positive of Jesus and lift him up and say, man, look what God's done for me. Look at the great things that he's done in my life. It's not me. I couldn't have done this. I tried to quit those things. I tried to give those things up. I went to Bradford. I went to, to every rehab center that you can think of, and I could, not me personally, I probably should have, but I'm speaking rhetorically here. It didn't help. But man, when I got Jesus, when he moved in, things changed. You leave those things in the past, and you lift Jesus up. And go forward for him. So I'm telling you tonight, one of the benefits of our salvation that Paul tells us about here in Romans, he says, because, therefore, because of your salvation, we have currently peace for the past. The next thing I want you to look at, there in Romans chapter 4, verse 2, it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now, we are currently wherein I'm standing is in the auditorium at Temple Baptist Church. It's wherein you're sitting. That's current, right now. So, not only do we have peace for the past, but we have grace for the present. Now, Here's a thing that, dis, that, that disturbs me at times. First off, I want to I define grace for you. Grace is unmerited favor, something given to you that you do not earn or deserve. Now, something that disturbs me that I struggle with a lot, especially these TV guys and, and some of the, uh, the prosperity gospel thing really, really tears me up because... If you look at the scripture, it's not all touchdowns and cheerleaders. It doesn't always work out. Do you understand what I'm saying? So just because you, hey, let me tell you something, young lady that just got saved. I got bad news for you. The devil didn't have to try to get you up until today. Now he's going to get after you. Do you understand? 
And I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to, to, to warn you. The battle's just started. And it doesn't always go good. What did Paul tell Timothy? Paul said to endure hardness. I probably shouldn't have told her that. I just freaked her out. <laughs> it's not all bad either. Paul told Timothy to endure hardness as what? A good soldier. This is not a tea party. You understand? You see, the Bible says that Paul talks about Satan being the god of this world. The prince of the power of air. You see, when man sinned, not only did we lose our immortality, but we lost our rule over the earth. Guess who got that? Satan rules this earth. He rules where we're at currently right now. That's why he's after you. That's why things don't always turn out good. Because we live in a sin-cursed world that's ruled by Satan. But guess what? We have grace for the present. We have grace wherein we stand. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24. My contacts are messed up. I should have worn my glasses. I'm going to have to read that up there because I can't read this down here. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 through 28 says, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of, by my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. It's a lot of perils, isn't it? Verse 27 says, In weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, now look, I could take about all of it, but the hunger part I'd have a problem with. <laughs> in hunger and thirst and fasting, often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Let's review Paul, okay? Let's review his Christianity and his, what he went through. Five times... He received 39 stripes. Three times he was beat with a rod. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He was robbed, imprisoned. He even got snake bit. Now that's another thing. I'm good up until there. I'm against snakes. I heard somebody say the other day that this guy lives so far back in the country that even the Methodists handle, or the Presbyterians handle snakes. That's back in the country right there. So the point I'm making here is look at everything that Paul went through. Then you add on top of that, the one thing that he didn't mention in that list was the thorn in the flesh. Now, Bible scholars have all kind of opinions and ideas about what that thorn was, but for some reason the Scripture never came right out and told us what that thorn was. But it was something that greatly bothered Paul. And on multiple occasions, he asked God, please help me. Please take this thorn away from me. Please deliver me from this, this, this thing that, that, that weights me down so much. But what did God tell him? God told him in chapter 12, he said, my grace is sufficient. He said, it's enough to get you through whatever you're facing. It doesn't matter how bad things get for you. God has enough grace to get you through that. You know what? I look at some of the things that have occurred here recently in the church. Some deaths, some injuries, some heartache, some, just some, some really traumatic 
things that have happened, and I don't see how these people have made it. I look at my, I don't, I can't wrap my mind, but you know what? I don't have to right now because I'm not going through that now. If I get to a point where I am going through that, guess what? Then I'll have it. Because God's grace is sufficient. I've had people ask me before, how in the world did you stay sane in what you went through? Well, I just got up every day and put my feet on the floor and ate some oatmeal and went and worked out and tried to stay out of the way and God took care of me. His grace is sufficient for you. It doesn't matter how bad things get. God's got enough to help you get through it. But what the best thing to do is, is to kind of be prepared for that. Know it's coming. Know that there's going to be some difficult times. There's going to be some soldier times where you have to soldier up and get tough and face these battles and go through them. You can't go around them always. You have to go right straight through the middle of them. But God has enough grace to get you through those. Now, here's the problem. My dad tells a story, and it's funny. I wish I could pause right here and have my dad tell this, here telling this story because he tells it so much better than I do. He was a little kid, and my dad grew up really, really poor in Walter on a 40-acre cotton farm. And uh, he says it was the grapes of wrath didn't have anything on them. <laughs> he, uh, he said, man, we were so poor. He said, we couldn't even pay attention. And he said, we, we had ever, occasionally, he said, we would have some Kool-Aid. He said, we were so poor, we didn't even have tea. He said, Dad always had coffee, and so Mom would put some sugar in some coffee and ice it down for us, and we'd drink that. He said, but every now and then, we'd have some Kool-Aid. He said, I remember one time, several times, he said, I, I'd sit at the table, and he said, my dad had, he's, he's talking about my grandfather, he said, my, granddad, my dad had this funny habit. He would eat everything on his plate and not drink anything out of his drink glass until he got done eating everything. My dad had eight brothers and sisters, and he said we'd all be in there eating, and everybody would start, yeah, hey, can I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said pretty soon everybody would be gone from the table, and it'd be my dad, the youngest boy, and my granddad still sitting there at the table, my dad's watching that glass of Kool-Aid. He's eyeballing it, wondering if maybe this is the time he's going to let me have that glass of Kool-Aid. And he said every single time he finished eating, picked up that glass of Kool-Aid, drank the whole thing down in one drink, Got up and walked out of the kitchen. <laughs> but the thing about it is, he told my grandfather this story years later. And I can see my granddad in one of those, uh, uh, those jumpsuits and that fedora that he always wore. I can see him laughing, wiping his eyes with a handkerchief when my dad's telling him this story. And he told my dad, he said, son, I didn't care nothing about that Kool-Aid. Why didn't you just ask me for it and you could have had it? See, there's so many things that are available for us that we just fail to ask for. We fail to seek out the things that he has for us in these difficult times that we face. You know what? It's all right here in the Bible. What do you need for your difficult time? Do you need some courage? Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Maybe you need some strength. Romans 8.26 tells us that the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Maybe you just need a little bit more wisdom to get through this situation that you're in. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And that situation there, where James is talking about that, he's talking about trials and tribulations and difficult times. If you don't understand what you're going through, or why you're going through it, or why the things are the way they are, 
Spend some time in the Word, talking to God. Ask Him to help you to understand that situation. Because I don't know about you, if I can understand why I'm doing something, it makes it a whole lot more bearable. If I just have to go out here and, and, and start running up the road just for the sake of running up the road, I'm not going to enjoy that very much. But if I know that I'm doing that for a purpose, well, then maybe I can endure it a little better. You know, a boxer trains, or a, these MMA guys, they train for a purpose. They do those sit-ups and all of that cardio and all those crazy things and all that training for a purpose. They're punishing themselves so that when they get in the ring, they can endure that. There's a reason behind why they're doing what they're doing. You know what? God's got you going through some trials. He's got you going through some difficult situations. Maybe it's training. Maybe he's got something bigger for you down the road that if you don't go through that, you'll never be able to get through this. So ask him for some wisdom. What else do you need to be able to get through this difficult situation? You know what? Maybe some confidence. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26 says, For the Lord shall be my confidence. I would much rather depend on him for my confidence than Dr. Phil. I'd much rather depend on God than some self-help book. Amen? Maybe you need a friend through a difficult time. Proverbs 18, 24 says, There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm telling you tonight, it doesn't matter the situation, what you're going through, how difficult it is, how bad the situation is. What did Paul say? He said, My grace is sufficient. That's what, Paul, that's what God told Paul through that ridiculous list of things that he faced. I don't think one person in here has been beat with a rod, whipped with a whip. I don't think there's been anybody in here shipwrecked yet. Could possibly have been somebody in here snake bit. <laughs> but if Paul can get through those difficult things because God's grace helped him, wherein he stands. So we have peace for the past. We have grace for the present. But you know what? Here's the part that is really encouraging. Do you remember when I said that Satan is the god of this world? He is the prince of the power of the air. And when we sinned, when man sinned, he lost his immortality because he began to die right then, remember? And he lost dominion of the earth, remember? Thorns began to grow. Man had to work by the sweat of his brow. The animals no more. He had dominion over them. Man lost dominion over the earth right then, and it went to Satan. But guess what? In Revelation, it talks about when Jesus comes back, and he starts cranking open those seals. Those seals that he's opening up, that's the deed back to this earth, because he's going to take it back. And that's the last thing that we have. That's the last benefit to salvation that we have in this particular passage right here. It says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, let me define the word hope for you. It's not like, I hope I get that uh, new bicycle for Christmas. Because that indicates that you may get it or you may not. Biblical hope is belief with expectation. I have hope. This is going to happen. I have hope in this. It's not an issue about whether it may or may not happen. It's belief with expectation. Now, we have hope in the blessed appearing of our Savior. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing 
of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now you see, we have hope because maybe we have lost dominion over the earth. Maybe we are going through difficult times. Maybe we have lost a loved one. What about 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And he goes on in that passage to say that we as Christians are going to be resurrected and meet Christ in the air. And all of those loved ones that we lost, that we loved, who are Christians, we'll see them again. Man, I, I really don't see how a lost person gets up in the morning and faces the day every day because they have no hope. I've read the last chapter. I know how this thing ends. I have belief with expectation. I know he's coming back someday. I know that all the mistakes that I've made, all the things that I've messed up, all the difficult times that I have, God, my plumbing's not going to tear up in heaven. <laughs> I have hope. So, as worst case scenario, no matter how bad the situation gets, you can always resort back to, well, Jesus is coming back and I know how it's going to end. It may be bad now. My transmission may be laying on the ground, but it won't be in heaven. This is just temporary. Sometimes that's all you have, but at least you have that. What if you didn't have that? How do people face the day every day? So not only do we have peace for the past, we have grace for the present, but we have hope for the future. We know exactly how this thing ends. In the western part of the United States, there was this liberal arts secular college that had a, a religious section to it. There was a, uh, a professor who was the uh, head of the religious department, and he, he taught a course on the gospel every year. And it was a required course for all the students to have to take. They had to take this course sometime during their tenure at this university. And uh, what it was for most of these kids, it was just a drudgery. They took it. They had to take it. Most of them didn't want to take it. This particular year, he had this one kid in his class. He was an athlete, football player, big, big, healthy kid. And his intentions were to go to seminary, become a preacher. So he, he did great in the class. He loved the class. So Dr. Christensen asked the, the young man, he said, Steve, I need to see you after class so he meets with the kid after class. He said, I need you to help me with something. He said, can you do 300 push-ups? He said, I don't know. I've done 200 at one time before. He said, no, I don't mean at one time. He said, can you do 300 push-ups in blocks of 10? You'll get to rest a little bit in between. He said, yeah, I, th- I think I can do that. And he said, okay. He said, uh, but you've got to be sure. He said, yeah, yeah, I can do it. He said, all right. He said, Friday, when you come to class, he said, I want you to wear some gym-top clothes and be ready to do these 300 push-ups because I'm going to use you for a a teaching tool. So he comes to class that day, sits down on the front, and Dr. Christensen comes walking in, maybe a little bit after the class starts, everybody's in there sitting down, he's got these big boxes. He walks up to this first girl, Jill, he says, Jill, pops open the box, he said, would you like a donut? These are the good donuts too. Jelly, sprinkles, good kind of donuts. She said, well, yes, I would like a donut. She says, have a donut. She takes a donut. He says, Steve, do 10 push-ups for Jill's donut here. 
Well, he snaps out 10 push-ups. She kind of giggles and eats her donut. He goes to the next guy. Hey, Joe, you want a donut? Yeah, yeah, I'll have a donut. He says, okay, pick whatever kind you want. Takes a donut. Steve, let me get 10 more. Well, that's, 20, that's 20 push-ups. That's not a big deal. Well, by the time he gets to the end of the row, he's up to about 60 push-ups now. Every time somebody takes a donut, he's got to do 10 push-ups. He's working up a little sweat now. He's feeling pretty good, loosened up. He gets up to this kid. He says, Mike, you want a donut? Mike's a basketball player. Good shape, good shape as Steve's in. He says, yes, sir, I'll take a donut. He said, but I don't need him to do my push-ups. I'll do them for myself. He said, no, you won't. He said, do you want a donut? He said, if I can't do my push-ups myself, then I don't want a donut. He said, okay, no problem. He said, Steve, give me 10 push-ups. He took the donut out and laid it on his desk. He said, I told you I didn't want a donut. He said, I don't care what you told me. This is my class. This is my desk. He's doing 10 push-ups for the donut that you're not going to eat. There it is on your desk. Goes to the next person. Would you like a donut? Uh, no, I don't think I want one either. Okay. Steve, let me get 10 push-ups. Steve starts snapping out another 10 push-ups. Lays the donut on the person's desk. Hey, now, wait a minute. These people start getting in an uproar. Now Steve's up to about 150, 200 push-ups. He's sweating now. People are getting really upset about this. Why are you making him do push-ups if we're not even eating the donuts? He said, don't worry about it. Do you want a donut? All of a sudden, in the uproar, people start walking in the class. You know, people walking by, they start slipping in the back door of the class. Teacher looks up. He goes, hey, how you doing? You want a donut? Guy says, yeah, I'll take a donut. He said, let me get 10 push-ups for this man right here. Walks out and gives him a donut. Now the place is really getting in an uproar. Somebody else slips in the back door. They say, no, get out. He goes, no, it's too late. Come on in. Can Four or five more people. Now there's about 35 people in the class. He said, Steve, you going to be able to handle this? He said, yes, sir. He said, all right, let me give, let me give these people some donuts. He gives them donuts. Steve's doing push-ups like crazy over here. It gets so bad that Dr. Christensen can't even watch it anymore because he's really, he's grinding now. He's up over 300 push-ups. He has a guy in his class that's the most vocal, outspoken unbeliever. He says, I want you to go over there and watch his push-ups. Make sure he goes all the way down, comes all the way up. I can't take it anymore. Keeps passing out donuts. People keep resisting him. I don't want that donut. Doesn't matter. Steve, give me 10 push-ups. So when he gets done, Steve's sweating, about to pass out. He made the point to him, it doesn't matter whether you accept the donut or reject the donut. Steve paid for the donut. You see, before I decided to have this party on this Friday and have donuts, he said, I took out my grade book and I looked at it. He said, Steve was the only person in the class who had a perfect grade. She never missed class. She never skipped. She never turned in a bad paper. She never made less than 100 on a test. He had a perfect grade. So he was the only one eligible for the party. But what I did is I made a deal with Steve. You could all come to the party as long as he paid for your donuts with 10 push-ups each. And that's what he did. So whether you accept the donut or reject the donut, it's up to you. It doesn't matter. Steve paid for it. Now here's the problem. Here's where we fall into this. I believe in most, most likely each one of us in this room has accepted the donut. This young lady back here accepted the donut today on the way back from the grocery store. I love that. But what we do is we accept the donut and we take a couple of bites of the donut and throw it back down on the desk. We just get a little bitty portion of what 
he's offered us. And when you start thinking about what all God did and what Jesus sacrificed to pay your, for your salvation, don't you think that we should try to get as much out of it as we can? Shouldn't we try to get all the benefits out of it that we can? Why do we keep living our lives being drugged down by the past when he paid that sin debt for us? We continue to live in that past. We continue to be drugged down by those past sins and the things that we failed at. Maybe some of us not sins. Maybe some of us just you failed at something that you wish you'd succeeded at, but for some reason you can't get past it. Maybe when you look in the mirror, you're not as tall as you want to be. You don't have as much hair as you wish you had. You're not as thin as you wish you were. Or you're not as big as you wish you were. Whatever the case is, those things you can't control that are in your past, that are beyond your control, you continue to get drugged down from them. But Paul tells us that God offers us peace for that past. You know, we go through difficult times. We have hard times. There is no doubt. You know, it's been said that everybody you meet in one of three places. Either they're going through a hard time, they're in the midst of a hard time, or they're about to go through a hard time. I've seen some difficult times in my life. But you know what? The grace of God is always sufficient. If you're struggling through these times, these difficult, hard times on your own, by yourself, you need to plug in and take advantage of these benefits that salvation offers you. And if nothing else, no matter how difficult things get, we have hope for the future. We have peace for the past, we have grace for the present, and we have hope for the future, knowing that a Savior is coming back to deliver us from this mess that we live in today. It doesn't matter what's going on in Washington. It doesn't matter what's going on in Hollywood. It doesn't matter how bad things get, how de demented society becomes. Jesus is coming back. We've got hope. Things are going to get better because he's coming back to deliver us from all this. Now, I don't know where you're at in your situation. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. But I'm telling you, if you're living in discouragement, if you're living in defeat, God has afforded some things for you because you're his child. And you can take advantage of those this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And the opportunity, Lord... I pray that something I've said has been an encouragement to someone. Lord, I pray that you bless these folks. There's someone in here tonight that's discouraged, maybe from some things in their past. Lord, I pray that you'd help them tonight to get victory over those things. And Lord, I know that there's people, probably the majority of people in here, who are going through difficult times, just day-to-day -day living. Lord, I pray that you would help us to tap into your grace, the sufficient grace that you offer us. And Lord, help us to continue to be joyful and excited about the hope that we have in your second coming. Lord, I pray that you bless each person, each family that's represented here, and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.